ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is Season 4, Episode 13. My name is Russ Shaw. Part 2 of Singles Advice from yours truly. Uh, wanted to kick it off here with this little bumper by the band Manifest. It's a little rap deal. Here you go. Love this. There comes a point in time where you have to decide There's no right way to do the wrong thing But you gotta do what you're afraid to do Go where you're afraid to go And every time you run away because you're afraid to do something big You let an opportunity pass you by You see, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results The normal has to be ignored The ordinary discarded And the routine must be feared fighter isn't someone who never fails. A fighter is someone who never quits. You are not the downtrodden, but the uplifted. The head and not the tail. You really think he brought you this far just to leave you now? Dreaming isn't a waste of time. The desire to get up and go again when everyone else has gone home. The perseverance to get up and go again. And the drive to see the dream fulfilled. You can't beat a man that doesn't stop. Get up! Yes, that is a beautiful little message there about the dream, whatever the dream is, all right? But purpose is a big part of this thing, all right? It's not just that you go after, partake in the ultimate challenge, go 90 days without porn, make that your main whatever it is goal, um, but I believe you need purpose in there. Like, what, what are you good at? Who are you? Whether you're single because you went through a divorce or you're single because you're young, um, who are you, man? I'm excited for the fact that you get to step out of this place, all right? The the passion locker is is kind of like the the sexual compulsion, this sexual addiction. It's it's taking some of your energy, some of your angst towards purpose and locking it in a jar. All right, this show is about opening the freaking jar and living your life with purpose and direction and drive. And yes, there's the steps, there's the things that you ought not do, right? Getting rid of your porn collection, there's having accountability, there's having people in your life that you walk alongside with. There's all these things, but it's not just to get rid of the porn, all right? It's building the courage to live your life from the inside outward, all right? Instead of trying to cram in some kind of a a disciplined outside-in thing. The discipline to change and grow and love, it comes from the inside out, all right? And part of that's having a, a mission, a purpose, a dream, if you want to call it that. Uh... Where are you going? I'll kick it off with another bumper from my past, from my youth. This is from 1985, Van Halen. No, no, that's not it. This is it right here. Here you go.
love and sex advice, right? Single serve advice for singles. <laughs> I know, that's corny. But anyway, it's uh, it's advice. So, what else is going on? Uh, the iTunes feed is fixed. So, I had some technical difficulties with the iTunes feed. So... Yeah, there's about four uh, episodes you missed if you're if you're just downloading this now. Uh, I interviewed Craig Gross, so iTunes people, you probably missed that. Uh, it's a pretty good interview. It, it's long, but uh, I don't know. Give it a try. Give it a whirl, as they say. Um, a few little announcements before we uh, kick off this episode. Um, ASI247.org is the website, of course. My name is is Russ Shaw. Um, surveys, on the survey page, I have uh, questions that I ask you to get to know the listeners a little more. It's also to sort of collect data on some of the experiences that you may have had um, in your life as it relates to listening to a show with a topic such as uh, sexual compulsive behavior, right? Um, So my heart is to get to know you a little more and my brain or right my uh, my curiosity and part of the drive of this uh, this here ministry and put that in quotes is to um, understand a little more what sexual addiction really is or sexual compulsive behavior wh- however you want to choose to define it um, what are some of the roots of it? So, on one of the pages, and I wanted to uh, address this because it may be controversial and it may actually be turning some people off. Um, I ask some pretty deep personal questions in the ASI confessional survey page, right? And the idea is this. If I was your priest, right, and I sat down, like I'm not Catholic at all, but anyway, uh, not in the Roman Catholic sense, anyways, I'm, I'm Catholic as a Christian who loves Jesus and believes that the church is this worldwide thing, right, of people that love Jesus, but as far as denominationally, am I a Roman Catholic? No. But, and, and I'm not poking fun, all right, I'm not trying to disrespect the office of priest. I don't know. If you take it that way, that I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> this is what it is. So, enter into the confessional with me, right? And I'm going to ask you ten questions. Uh, actually, nine questions. One question is, what kind of a nickname would you make up for yourself? Be creative. Um, but past that, uh, I ask some pretty deep questions. And one of them um, is, have you... Uh, ever been sexually abused or molested as a child? Uh, I realize that's a pretty deep question, but it's an important one for people who uh, struggle with sexual compulsive behavior because, you know, statistics will say, and this was a, a study that was done in Columbia University in New York, and it had to do with uh, women in prison, all right? But it said that people that struggle with unwanted sexual behavior, like 86% of them were sexually abused, and I'm trying to collect some data that, you know, is different than, than just women in prison, right? Uh, and also, I ask a question that may have your 
I don't know, homophobic. I, I, I don't know what it is. Or judging me as a Christian. I ask if you were molested by a... If you were, if you were sexually assaulted or abused, was it by someone of the same sex or someone of the opposite sex? Um, I think that's an important question. And I'm not asking it because I think that everyone who's molested by someone of the same sex turns out gay. Alright? I was sexually assaulted, abused, molested by someone of the same sex and I didn't turn out gay. Alright? Put that in quotes. It's just... So, if you're judging me for that reason, that's not my heart. Alright? I'm not after trying to prove some kind of a stupid uh, religious... See? All the gays were sexually abused by saying one of the same sex. That's why they do that. Uh, that's not... No, no, not at all. But I do think it's important. I think it's an important question to ask because I think the shame factor, when you're molested by someone of the same sex, the shame factor is different, especially for men. If you're sexually abused by someone of the opposite sex when you're young, you know, like a teacher, for example, and this is happening and hitting the newspapers all over my country, uh, there's something about it that seems to be almost cool, right? Like a guy who's 15 years old having sex with his junior high school teacher would could possibly brag about that, which is sick and, and it it's sick and sad, but also culturally kind of cool and acceptable in my country. So that's part of why I asked that question. I wanted to clear that up uh, just to get that out of the way because I know a lot of uh, Christians are religious jerks and homophobes trying to prove some kind of a agenda against a class of people and I, 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 I hate that stuff, alright? Jesus loved and sought out the marginalized, right? Jesus wasn't that guy that would carry some kind of a picket sign at a gay marriage or wouldn't bake a cake for a gay wedding or something like that, right? Jesus was, was very loving and approaching with open hands and an open heart towards um, marginalized folks especially, right? And for those of you who have filled out some of those surveys, um, I just wanted to say thank you. All right, and um, I can't express enough how grateful I am that that you guys would open up like that on uh, on those surveys. Um, I know I ask some personal questions, but again, it's not just for the sake of entertainment. All right, this this show is a little more than than entertainment. When faith collides with real life, that's what the ASI podcast is about. And when it comes to sexuality and relationships, what does that look like? What is truth, right? Like, I heard a guy say that uh, truth, right, that a church, that what Christians are doing life together well, they're basically living out what's true for everyone. Right? Like, like that's what a church is. A church is a, a community of people living out what's true. And, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because if we can live out our truth, then we don't have so much fractured, jacked up, messed up relationships. If, right, 
if we're obedient to love. And love is defined by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is love, all right? Now, some of you are going to have a hard time with that, but think about it. Um, before you get defensive with that, or before you think it's just religion or something like that, think about your own definition of love or the world's definition of love because the world is going to say that the definition of love is affection, basically. I mean, you look it up in the dictionary, and it, and it says that. Intense, affectionate feelings for another person. Now, that can be a, a, a symptom of love, right? Like a byproduct of love. But is that love? I mean, do you just, all of a sudden, you look at someone, you have affection for them? I mean, sometimes a, a good-looking person, I mean, good-looking people have less of a harder time falling in love, do they not? Now, why is that? Because it's easy to have affection stirred up for someone who looks good on the surface, but can you love that person? Is it is it possible to have a beautiful face and body and have a ugly soul, right, or heart? Is, is that possible? Sure it is. So, again, where do we go for our definition of love? And that's basically what I try and talk about here on the podcast is getting underneath, you know, some of the surface layer that the world throws out there and says, oh, this is love and this is sex and this is how you should do it and this is how you can fulfill yourself and this is how you can feel, you know, empowered sexually or as a man or as a woman. And and, and a lot of it's just... It's just empty, shallow rags, right? It's, it's just, uh, come on. I mean, part of the part of the Christian faith, and part of the reason I am a Christian, um, and, and I use that word with caution because I know that that word's been drugged through the mud uh, the last hundred years or so. But it's it's true, right? It's this very old, faithful way of doing love. I mean, Christians, first century Christians, were called people of the way. So maybe bring that to mind when it comes to why I, you know, get get so passionate about this stuff. Um, so episode thirteen, talking with singles um, over the years and what advice I would have for singles. Right, First um, Corinthians seven eight talks about the burning with passion, right? Like, it, if you don't have self-control, I think that's 1 Corinthians 7, verses 8 and 9, um, the Apostle Paul says, yeah, it's good to stay single, but if you, can, if, you, right, if you burn with passion, it's a good idea to get married. If you don't have the self-control to control yourself, um, does he mean sexually? Does he mean we need relationship? It, it doesn't clarify that. But I've heard this is kind of where the Catholics go. Oh, yeah, well, that's why, you know, priests shouldn't marry because it says this. In, well, I don't know, man. I think it doesn't It doesn't say you can't get married, does it? <laughs> like, that's one of those things. Um, that is hard for me to take advice from a uh, a priest who who's never been married. Like you're gonna you're doing you're gonna do a, a sermon on marriage. I, I don't know it, or, or raising a family, especially nowadays. It's, it would be a good idea if you knew what you're talking about. But anyway, I, I get it, right? 
if you're single, you have a lot more time to devote to study and serving the Lord, right, and, and community and charity. It makes sense. And that's part of what I wanted to talk about today is the freedom that single people have. And, and I've been in groups with single folks and, and some of them envy us married guys who, who sometimes complain about you know, our controlling relationships or, or wives or whatever. And, and they'll say, you know, it, it's cool that you have that because I feel like I, have, I don't have anybody but me to be accountable to. I've heard single folks say that. I felt like that when I was single. Um, just alone and uh, at the mercy of my whims, right? So part of what I want to do also touch on is, is this relational fear. And a lot of times it comes from some of the, the damage of our past. Uh, again, if I'm honest, the way that I did not trust religion and I didn't trust you know, the, the way that a lot of folks were doing relationship, the way I grew up, right? If you're going to tell me... Uh, anyway, so uh, the way that they were defining love and conflict in relationship, it was just not something I could trust. And, and that was just me at the time. So I had a lot of relational fear. And there's some of you who are listening that are single and, and almost chronically single. And it's because of some of that, oh, I'm afraid to commit. You know, you hear a lot of guys say that. Oh, I just don't want to commit because I get, it's, I get scared. Well, why do you get scared? Why? Because your parents got divorced? Um, because someone broke your heart in the past? You see, again, it, it's like that beginning little mantra there at the beginning of the show, that little rap, that little message. If you continue to do things the same over and over again, right, that's, that's the definition of insanity. You have to push against your norm. Whatever your norm was, no. Reject that. That, that, that old norm can be replaced. It can be renewed. It can be repented of. Psalm 107, verse 2, I have hanging in my bathroom, and I see it every day. And it says, um, basically, there's a few different translations of this, but let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he has redeemed from the hand of the foe. The English Standard Version says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. This is part of your story. Um, part of being a, a walking out your faith, right? Being a heart level Christian means that you're you're being redeemed, and God gets the glory for that. And you get to tell your story. Um, there's people that have called me worldly, right? Because I play the certain music I play. You know, I played the Sammy Hagar, Van Hagar, Halen, right, song. And, and I know it, it, people are going to have a hard time with that. Some people say I do it for shock value. It's not, that's not really true necessarily. All right. Um, my definition of worldly may be different than a lot of um, religious folks. All right. Worldliness is a heart condition. I, I know I've said that before and I don't want to keep being so redundant, but I'm not going to go into too much of this. Just hear me out here for a second, all right? 
Um, if worldliness is that you're in the world or you listen to secular music or you watch secular movies or TV or whatever, you're in the culture. You know, Jesus in John 17, his prayer for us is that we would be in the world but not of the world, right? Like, how can you be in the world and, and affecting people in the world if you're not in the world. <laughs> it's part of what he says there. It's true. Look it up. John 17. It's a beautiful whole chapter of the Bible. And it's Jesus praying to the Father for us. Um, the Matrix, again, is, is such a great analogy. The, the film The Matrix is the greatest sci-fi movie ever, in my opinion. And uh, it, it shows the worldliness, right, that you know that line where Morpheus says, "You know, the the Matrix is is the world that's been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth." And the institutions, like church, looking at church is simply an institution. That's part of worldliness. If it's just the building, if it's just the uh, the organizational right matrix of the thing, uh, the church is people. All right. Again, it's people doing life together, loving one another, brothers and sisters, living out what's true. And I'll tell you something: the guy that doesn't know right the culture, I don't trust that guy. You know, the guy that says, oh, I'll, I only listen to Christian music. Well, yeah, that's great for you, dude, but I, I have a hard time trusting you because I don't think you can relate to me, and I think that maybe your faith is just all about you being good enough to get accepted by God into heaven while you don't really care that much about what the rest of the world is doing, right? That people would find out about this good news. That you would be able to live your life in such a way that they might see some good news in you, you know? So, again, if you want to call me worldly, that's cool. Um, I'm in the world, but not of the world, right? Because I think a lot of this kind of religious... Um, some of the toxic religious I mean again finding a group of people that are that are like a family is so important because there's a lot of places out there that are more like an entrepreneurial dot com startup right and 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 that's not going to sustain life for very long when it comes to an institution of faith and relationship and living out what's true and that's something I wanted to address here today and, and communicate to some of you singles um, don't do what I did and this is also me learning from some of my critics over the years and even recently about my tone with the difference between toxic religion and being in a, a church that's just a bunch of people living out the truth with brotherly and sisterly love for one another right um, don't live in fear of who's uh, the pedophile priest, right? And who's the Morpheus character or the Trinity character, right? If you're a gal. I mean, there's very godly men and women in a, in a church, in a religious organization even. And it's hard to tell the difference between who's toxic religious and who really loves Jesus deeply um, 
you got to get to know people and you have to be able to be open to testing the waters relationally before you can discern whether someone's a neat religious boy or girl or a godly man or woman. There's some people I know that that I thought, I would have thought in the past, uh, my friend Phil, I'll use my friend Phil for example, in the past I probably would have tagged him as just a neat religious kind of boy, right? A neat religious guy. But getting to know the man, he's different than me. His 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 personality is much different than that mine is, right? He's more analytical, more organized. Um, but he's a, he loves Jesus very much, and he is a very godly man. And I'm blessed to know this man and his wife, even though they're not like me, right? Um, but he's my brother. And I love him, and I'm glad he's in my life. Now, I guess I don't want you to learn... I I want you to learn from my bloodshed, right? I don't want you to learn the bad lesson that you should just stay away from religious people because all religious people are toxic, because that's not true. Some religious people are, and some are very godly people. And some are like the Morpheus character. They can be that for you, right? Like the Trinity character. They can be that person for you. But until you wade into those waters and start to discern for yourself, and this this is part of knowing who you are, right? Learning who you are. But you can start to trust those people. You can know the difference. Right? If they start getting mad at you, sometimes I just, I don't know, sometimes I'm just edgy. And that's one of the criticisms of the show is that I, I use shock value. Um, some, of it's, some of it's how I discerned who was a Morpheus and who was a, you know, just a neat religious um, facade person. So, in a nutshell, that's what I want you to gain or glean from this episode, Singles, if you could, that don't do what I did. Don't be so quick to rush to judgment on on a place, right, or uh, on a person until you get to know a little bit of their story, right, until you get to know where they're coming from, until you've walked a mile in their shoes, so to speak, right? And and the people who are honest and the people that are real, you know, they'll let you behind the counter a little bit if they if they're comfortable with themselves. Um, toxic religious people aren't real comfortable with themselves, and that's why I think a lot of them are bullies. Um, I'm going to have a guest on the show very soon, a man who wrote a book uh, about you know spiritual bullies. Uh, what that looks like. It's weird how in Christian living there's thousands of books, but there hasn't been a lot written, you know, in the last 50 years on spiritual abuse. But it's it, it was Jesus' number one social issue that he brought up a lot, you know. So it's going to be great to have uh, uh, Jim on the show, Jim Henderson, his, his name is. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Um, learning to discern... Uh, a place, right? Because when we bring our stories, when we bring our pain, when we bring our secrets, right? When we bring the intricate ways that we define love and freedom to a 
a, a group of people, that's that's scary. That's intimate. That's risk taking on a on a relational level. And I pray that you take those risks because they're worth it. They are worth it when you find the right people. And I'll be praying for you that you'll gain the courage to enter in. I've been telling people, you know, for years, yeah, find a church. You know, there's some churches on the website there, man. I, I don't know about that, you know. <laughs> I don't I don't know these churches. I don't know these people that run these churches. Um, I didn't even know. I was at Mars Hill Church. I didn't even know what was going on behind the scenes there. So, you know, but again, ask around. Because I still have great friendships with the people that were at the Mars Hill Church that did collapse. That doesn't mean the system was broken. But the people, the people who weren't broken, the people who were knit together by love and brotherhood and sisterhood and living out our faith, you know, we're still talking, we're still connected, we're still brothers and sisters. Even though a lot of us go to different churches now, and that's okay, right? Because this thing is splintered apart, and it's it's going to be cool to see what was birthed out of it. I think over as time unfolds. Um, one last thing I'll leave you with: you will be hurt by people in relationships. All right. Even if you find the Morpheus and the Trinity, they will hurt you. It's not if, but when. And listen, I don't want to take away from the hurt that can come when affection leaves, right? When when affection cools down, when, when there's an offense and it, it hurts and you're in conflict and you're like, will this ever get solved, you know? I mean, that's, that's real. That's heartfelt. But... Again, it's like that song with Sammy Hagar, right? If you believe that love has got you down, it's not true. It's not true. Affection will get you down. When affection leaves, that will get you down. If you define love as affection, then love is unsustainable. And the truth is that love is the strongest, most powerful force on the planet. All right, people. It, this is part of communication. This is part of conflict resolution. Uh, when people work them, when when Christians work out their love together in in resolving a conflict, it, there's some real beauty in that. But if you get around people long enough, man, people are sinful. We all die. You know why we die? Why well, we get old and die? Because we're sinful. That's what the Bible says. There's no getting around it. Yes, we repent of our sins. We're trying to be better. We're growing and maturing spiritually. But we're still sinful human beings, and we're not perfect at doing relationship. So when you get involved in a church, just don't have expectations that it's going to be perfect, because it's not. It's still going to be difficult, but it will be difficult to a different degree than the way the world does it, right? Because... Defining love by the word affection is, is far more toxic and difficult than us working out our theology and saying, okay, who is Jesus and how do we follow him and how did he demonstrate love, right? 
very different message. I love you guys. Uh, I mean that sincerely. That's for reals. I'll be praying for you this week. Uh, Russ at ASI247.org if you want to send me an email. The next podcast, I'm going to have Jim Henderson on to talk about his book, Question Mark. And then we're going to talk about, uh, in in number three, the third show on my advice for singles, uh, I'm going to ask the question, is it is it a thirst for the spark? That, that you're after, right? Um, are you one who prays that you would meet that person um, and, and that spark would occur? Uh, are you maybe in a colder state like I was when I was single for a, for a very long season, um, just waiting, for, just wanting to get laid? That was kind of my thing, not really adhering to my Christian worldview, right? At the time, because I, I didn't, I was so afraid of relationships because I'd had my heart broken a few times. But so I just like, you know, and that's a lot of guys and girls. I just want to have fun. You know, is this a relationship? I don't really want to do that. I just want to be friends with benefits or I just want to hook up. And that, that doesn't really work long term. Anybody with any kind of wisdom will tell you that this man, woman, being friends and having sex, it, it, there's something spiritual, connective, there's connective tissue that just won't allow that long term, and it's just more heartbreak, all right? So you can either go out and experience that for yourself or, or learn from my bloodshed and the bloodshed of others. I've sat in hours of recovery groups with sex addicts who over and over again have had this same story. So, um, yes, on the next uh, Advice for Singles podcast, we're going to address the question of, of the thirsty, right? The First Corinthians 7, thirsty, loss of self-control in the genital area, maybe, right? Or the heart, so to speak. Um, burning with passion. What does that look like? And, and, and are we thirsty for a spark? I'm going to end the show right here with a bumper from the band Flyleaf off their album uh, from last year. Uh, their new album. Their latest album. Um, it's called Platonic. And it will uh, it will set up the next show. So subscribe to the ASI podcast if you haven't yet. You're not going to want to miss my interview with Jim Henderson or the Thirsty for a Spark episode. Going to leave you with a bumper by the band We as Human. What is life, right? I appreciate you guys for listening to this podcast, man. I don't say that enough. I, I The people who listen warms my heart that, that you folks exist and that there's an audience for this material. All right. Till next time. Bye. Show me hope for healing Show me signs of Of any